Welcome to Beyond My Title. I'm Nakiba and I wear a variety of hats. I'm a sales advisor at a startup in New York City, but that's my nine to five. Beyond My Title, I created a skincare line in my dorm room kitchen in 2010. Three years later, I launched Cori Renee, a plant-powered skincare line that is inspired by nature and powered by plants. I am very passionate about empowering others through storytelling. I believe that we all have a unique story and it goes deeper than our title. I created this podcast to share conversations about how we identify ourselves, our work, and the legacy we wish to leave behind. This podcast was brought to you by Bib Media. Born in Brooklyn, believe the hype. Today, Rahim Jallo is joining me. Rahim is the co-founder and COO of Gin Jam Bros. He and his brother Muhammad created a beverage company that brings timeless, traditional West African recipes to the world. Gin Jam has hints of ginger, pineapple, anise, and flavorful natural ingredients. Wow, what a journey. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have yeah. you here. Very happy to be here. So what has it been like on this journey with your brother of creating a beverage that, you know, is just a remarkable beverage. It's such an experience. I feel like the flavors, they all are just so reminiscent of different, you know, pineapple. I I've that's I feel like that's a flavor. Pineapple and ginger is something that I've had in my life, but um, you know, sit like from my mother who's from Jamaica, but I feel like overall it's it's such a powerful combination of the different flavors that you have. So, can you take me on a trip of your journey? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so what we, you know, my brother and I really we never thought we'd be food and beverage entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Although I got into the food space in college the way, you know, a lot of people do in high school or college to make some money, make some side money. I never really thought that we'd end up as a packaged food entrepreneurs. And uh, the way this came to be is we felt that um, traditional African-inspired food and beverage products were pretty much non-existent in um in mainstream supermarkets, in the West in general, in the, in the, in the U.S. I noticed when I was in France, when I was in Germany, um, and you'll have an easy time finding Indian food and you know, Latin American foods, uh, Asian food, you name it, right? But you'd be hard-pressed to name a single African brand or, you know, really know any sort of African foods, quote-unquote, right? And we felt that not only was it um, a shame that, it, that that wasn't the case, but we also felt that it's a major opportunity, you know, as a, to build a business around. So we started Ginger and Brothers to essentially develop and bring to market um, food and beverage products that are inspired by, tradi- by traditional African recipes. And uh, we, we plan on bringing a lot of products to market down the, down the line. Uh, we picked Ginger specifically, the, the drink you, um, you so uh, kindly introduced. <laughs> Um, because we grew up on it. Yeah. You know, it's something that reminds us of our childhood. We grew you know, we drank it the way kids drink apple juice here. Uh, it's an everyday product. It's, um, it, it's really, it's a really good digestive aid. It's mm-hmm. fresh ginger, cold pressed pineapples, lemon, vanilla, anise, you know, and some cane sugar. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's ingredients that everyone can, uh, understand mm-hmm. and for the most part enjoy. Um, and yeah, we're, we, since we launched, we, uh, we've managed to get into places like Whole Foods, Fresh Direct, we're about to launch with Jet.com. So, you know, our, our hypothesis that the rest of the world would embrace these products the way we did, 
uh, is proven to be true, right? So very excited to be doing this. For sure. So who came to New York City first? Did you did you come together? My brother. Your brother? Yeah. So he's older. Yeah. Right? Uh, he came um, when he was around 11, 12 years old, I think. And I came when I was 14. I came four years later, but I was uh, I was 14, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, we, came, we landed in New York, but we didn't live in New York at the time. Uh, he lived in New Hampshire. He lived in Atlanta for some time, lived in New Hampshire. I lived in Atlanta as well, different times. And, you know, not at the same time. I lived in Pennsylvania for some time. I, um, I graduated high school in Michigan. I went to college at Michigan State. You know, so it kind of bounced around the U.S. When was the last time that you had Jinjan prior to creating Jinjan? Um, like here. So when we moved here, we didn't really move here with our family. Okay. Right. So the majority of the time we spent here, my both my brother and I, we spent most of our time with Americans. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so if you live in large metropolitan areas like New York City or Chicago, where you have a large um, African immigrant population, they tend to have African restaurants that you can find this in. Um, but for me, I was, you know, in the middle of suburban Michigan, you know, um, I, I was the only black kid in my graduating class to kind of give you a sense of that's not Jinjiang country, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so I, we wouldn't really have access to any of those things. Yes. Which is part of, part of the reason why we noticed the lack of it. Um, and aside from that, even the African restaurants that carried here in places like New York City, it tends to be um, fairly inconsistent in the way the, the products are made. Um, and, and they're really just made for people that know what it is. Uh, it's not branded so that it's open to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there was just, there's pretty much, we could get it, but we could not get it consistently enough and of high enough quality, Mm -hmm. more or less. So we decided to solve so fix it for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. When did that aha moment come for you and your brother? Was it? Did you experience it individually or were you together and it was just like, okay, this is what we have to do? Um, specific to starting the business, mm-hmm. we, we always knew we wanted to, to, to start a business, right? And um, be it in other industries or in areas where we felt like we need to do more f- to represent brand Africa, right? And that's not really motivated. It's not just to, it's not just the representation that we cared about, it's the fact that there are actually really good products that could represent, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just buy it because it's African, it's buy it because it's really good and it just happens to be African, right? Um, so it could have been in fashion, it could have been in a lot of other spaces, but we felt that the food space is what the real opportunity was. Um, that aha moment, happened when um, we went to uh, to a restaurant to buy this ginger drink. Mm-hmm. We it, it turned out being the best one we, we, we've ever had, right? Uh, we went back to it about a week or so later to buy some more. They're out of it. We went back again. They're out of it. And a third time, you know, wow. I, I think we ended up going three or four times. And the last time we went and they finally had it again, 
the product was completely different from what we had tried before and fell in love with. So we thought, all right, this is the same location, you know, the same owner, the same everything, and they can make the same product consistently enough, right? And we'd been talking about someone ought to do this for a long time. Yeah. Um, we looked at each other and said, why can't we do it, right? Uh, and up to that point, funny enough, we drank this our whole life, but we'd never made it ourselves. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's more or less how it happened in 2014. Yeah. So what, what is your title and what is your brother's title? Well, so we're co-founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the de facto chief operating officer and he's a CEO because he's older yeah. <laughs> and wiser. It's true. He's wiser. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, that's, I, I, I tend to, I handle most of our operations because he actually kept his day job, um, you know, to someone else to pay the bills. And I'm just, I, I, and I also had more, uh, more, more of a food background mm-hmm. than he did. And even in, at the product of development phase, I, um, you know, I could use some of my scientific training to help figure out the recipes and things like that. So it just kind of naturally fell into that role. You know, I, I like operations. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like exploring with the different ingredients and just, you know, trying to really perfect that recipe early on? It was a long process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, um, it took us about close to a year to really get it, uh, to get it to the final recipe. Actually, even after we launched, we tweaked it a little bit more. Um, Ginger is very finicky, yeah, right? It's 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 very tough to work with in that it's not it it's not very it's not very stable. Mm-hmm. Um, the spice level changes the minute you press it. So, being able to make it balance it and know you know and know that um, a thousand bottles in it'll taste the same as the first one was. Uh, it was quite a process, but we figured it out, and uh, maybe that helps to make it a little more difficult for people to knock it off, <laughs> which they will anyways. But yeah, it um, not, not not just the recipe development part of it, but also testing and making sure that the spice level for the market we're trying to serve, you know, in the U.S., mm-hmm. always right. Uh, traditionally, we drink it a lot spicier than what you've had, mm-hmm. and it's still spicy now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so that we, zing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to make it in the water jugs, and um, bring it to um, to the the mist when I used to manage mist, mm-hmm. and pretty much anyone that would allow me, I would have them taste it, you know, sample yeah. it uh, without telling them that it's our product. Yeah, that way they'd give us very honest feedback. Um, and yeah, we did that and iterated for eight months to a year before selling a single bottle. How was it receiving that feedback early on? Good. Um, it, <laughs> it it teaches you very early on to have a tough skin, right? Because, uh, and, and, and luckily, you know, we're very open to feedback. Um, so when someone's trying what you, what you just, you know, spend, spend hours working on and they're trying and go, oh, this is horrible, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they didn't know it was ours, and which is exactly why we didn't tell them, because otherwise people would lie to you. Um, and we just, we knew that it was for, 
in the long run is what, what will make help us end up with a really good product um so yeah it was very it was extremely helpful uh it was free so you know, we love free helpful advice. I remember having it at Brooklyn Flea and I was just like, oh my goodness, this drink is so good. And it's just such, like it's an experience for anyone who's just never had it, you know? I've had Bisop um, at like Senegalese restaurants in the past, but I'm not like, I wasn't familiar with Gin Jam prior to. So Bisop is our next product actually. I'm very excited <laughs> about that. No, really, yeah. uh, Bisop is, we would have actually gone, like, um, going to market with it already. Mm -hmm. It's just that it doesn't sound like a lot, adding a second skill. Yeah. But um, there are a few things we need to finalize first before launching mm -hmm. that, but we have the recipe developed. You know, we have the branding kind of worked out already. That's amazing. So there's a Bisop coming your way. Yeah. Uh -huh. So for anyone who's unfamiliar with Bisop, what is Bisop? Bisop is um, it's essentially a hibiscus-based drink. Mm -hmm. um, the recipes vary from country to country in West Africa. You find it a lot in Senegal, Guinea, Mali, Senegal, that whole area, you know, sorry, Ivory Coast, that whole area, most of West Africa. So it's typically uh, hibiscus mm -hmm. tea or sorrel. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have variations of some folks add ginger to it, some don't, some add lemons to it, some don't. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's 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 the one the one common denominator is the hibiscus. Yes. Right, and some a few other flavoring agents and um, honey or sugar. I can't tell you exactly what's in there. Of course, yeah, no, definitely. But you love to. Uh, yeah. I can't <laughs> you wait have to, to try keep it. an eye out for it. Definitely, definitely. I'm curious. Is there like like my, growing up in a West Indian household, I had sorrow. So is there? I I know that the sorrow is the hibiscus leaf. But is there, I'm wondering if there's any similarity in like the Bisop and the Sorrow experience, you know? I'd imagine that mm -hmm. the same, the, the ginger we're making yep. is similar to the ginger beer. Yep. Right? The, yeah. The, 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 the West Indies. And uh, same with the Sorrow, mm -hmm. with Bisop. So I don't think it's far-fetched to think, to f it's not hard to connect the two, like to figure sure. out how it ended up in the West Indies. For sure. You know, uh, so I think that's um it's such an old recipe and a lot it's essentially the, the 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 main reason why we're doing what we're doing it's going back and taking all these recipes that have existed really before the slave trade mm -hmm. right um and and bringing them to the wall yes that's how they ended up in the west indies so yes. we know that not only will um will folks in africa or from african background uh like enjoy the products themselves but Caribbean, people from the Caribbean islands. Uh, the sorrel, funny enough, is really popular in uh, Mexico. Wow. And they call it uh, Florida Jamaica. Yeah, Flower I have Jamaica. seen that. Yes. You know, Flower Jamaica, yes. right? J-I-C, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. it and I've, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, ginger right now, mm -hmm. the, the, the ginger drink we have in the market, the majority of our customers are everyday Americans. Yes. You know, your average whole food shopper. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, Again, it's in, in, if you look at the beverage landscape in general, even food in general in the United States, it's all one version or another of an imported product, right? Mm -hmm. Kombucha is super hot right now, but it's, you know, it's an Eastern drink. Yep. Matcha is super hot right now. Yep. It's in Japanese imported. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, so it's all something from elsewhere. And we feel that um, 
the next wave is African themed, African inspired products. And you know, we look, we feel like we are, we have a first mover's advantage on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have given our connection to the, to the land there and our understanding of the products that come out of there that gives us an unfair, an unfair advantage that we very much plan on exploiting. <laughs> well, I can't wait to support every Thank product you. that you guys bring to the world. Definitely. And thankfully, I'm in New York City, so I can. Harlem's not too far. Well, and there's uh, a Whole Foods right down the street. We might use you as a guinea pig for the visa before, before, before the rest of the world sees it. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Sounds good. Definitely down. So, how would you identify yourself? Uh, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Really that simple. And I think whether it's, you know, um, food or beverage that we're doing, mm -hmm. if. Um, if let's for whatever reason Ginger and Brothers was to die tomorrow, I'll probably start another business within 24 hours, you know. Uh, it's just something I very much enjoy doing. Uh, I'm very easily bored, uh, but I don't get bored very often because I can always find something to do. Uh, and so yeah, I think entrepreneurship is, uh, is the way to go for me for the rest of my life. What's entrepreneurship something you wanted to explore from a young age on or yeah i've never i've never wanted a career you know um you know i'm not one of those kids that had a lemonade stand when i was five years old or anything like that but uh, my mom was an entrepreneur and i was you know i grew up around a lot of entrepreneurs my dad was an economist so he was he had a regular career but he also did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff on the side um but aside from all of that I just do my personality. I get um, I have too many interests. Yeah, and it's not conducive to that sort of mindset. Is not conducive to a focused career. You know, one track sort of um, future, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky. I've kind of figured that out fairly early. Um, and as an entrepreneur, you can pretty you're not limited. You can pretty much do whatever you whatever you interest you you know um so yeah you mentioned that you have a lot of interests what are some of your interests oh man um well in terms of entrepreneurship i um i'm very much into renewable technologies like renewable energy mm -hmm. type stuff that's actually what i went to school for yeah um i think everything from solar to wind, um, it's, it's essentially, it's the inevitable future. And uh, a lot of wealth will be created around that. And I wanna be part of that wave. That kind of helps, I mean, it's already happening. You yeah. know? It's already happening at a really, really fast rate. And I have ideas that I think would help it happen a lot faster than it is. You know, especially on the financial side and way to structure, um, you know, um, the way people are buying and selling. That's one side. I, uh, I, I think bigger than one of the biggest opportunities that exists out there right now is the way we actually produce our food. And I don't approach it from the point of view of, you know, to be to be cliche the hippies right i'm not just looking at it from point always oh, wasteful or it's um or save the cattle or anything i just think we can 
find much more effective ways of, of producing higher quality food that makes a lot more money and uses a lot less energy than mm -hmm. what we're doing right now. Um, you know, just more sustainable ways of farming. For sure. Not just for the sustainability, but simply because it's a better way, it's a more efficient way and it produces a yeah. lot more, right? So I'm, uh, I'm very big into everything that, that, that revolves around that. And beyond that, um, aside from entrepreneurship, I, uh, I don't know, I love um, behavioral psychology because I think that pretty much dictates everything we do. <laughs> You know, uh, what motivates people to start the podcast they start, tell the stories they tell, you know, mm -hmm. um, behave the way they behave, buy the things they buy. Um, and I think the, 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 the more you understand that, the, the easier time you'll have navigating the world. So, yeah. I honestly, there isn't a topic that I, <laughs> that would not interest me if it's not... Uh, if he's not being told by a boring person. Yeah. Do you watch TED Talks at all? I do. Any particular TED Talks that stood out to you uh, as of late? As of late. Um, the one that sticks out to me, I saw it a couple of years ago, a year ago. So there's a guy named Hans Rowling, I think. Mm hmm He's, uh, I don't know if he's Swedish, uh, I think he's Swedish, but one, he's Scandinavian. Mm -hmm. And he's a stati statistician. And he just has this phenomenal way of telling stories in, like, with numbers, right? I like numbers. Because mm -hmm. usually you can, you can manipulate, you know, you can manipulate them, but you cannot tell them, make them tell a story that isn't true. Yeah. Right? Um, numbers don't lie. Numbers yeah. don't lie. And yeah. there's, a, there's a reason behind that. And um, this guy, he covers everything from, you know, poverty, like the way, uh, the way the rates of poverty are changing around the world, and the stories that we're being told about, you know, developing countries and, and, and how the world is getting better or worse. Mm -hmm. And he's a very, very optimistic, positive guy, and he presents it in a brilliant way. He's uh, extremely entertaining. and. You will now watch a single one of his uh, talks and now walk away thinking, holy shit, I didn't know that, you know? Uh, or, and no matter how little you know about numbers or how little you know about statistics, you'll get it, mm -hmm. right? So he's one of those guys, just a really good teacher. Yeah. Um, unrelated to TED Talks, since we're on the topic of good teachers, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a, a physicist. Uh, Richard Feynman, Richard Feynman, uh, he's, um, he was a Nobel Prize laureate, but he had a bunch of like, just interviews on YouTube mm -hmm. that, you know, if you bored one night, just look up Richard Feynman and just watch what he has to say. Yeah. You know, some of these are complicated physics topics, but he's one of those amazing teachers that he'll explain any topic to you and you'll... At least you feel like you got it and you walk away, start thinking about it and realize how complicated it is and you have to come back and listen to him again. But yeah. Richard Feynman. I'm going to check him out. Yeah. American physicist. He's an American physicist. Brilliant. So you mentioned that your mom is an entrepreneur and that your dad, he was, he's an, 
You said, an economist. Yes, he's an economist. Yeah, he was an economist, yeah. But he also had a variety of different entrepreneurial, you know, interests yeah. that he... Explored. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So would you say that they influenced your, your, you know, the path that took you down this road of entrepreneurship? Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it essentially, especially with my mom, because... She was an entrepreneur. She dropped out of school in fourth grade to, um, after her mom died, to help raise her siblings, pretty mm-hmm. much, because she was the, the oldest. And um, she was gifted a pair of shoes uh, that, you know, at the, around that time. She ended up, now this is like in the village in, uh, in, in Guinea. She and, and they have a weekly market where all the villages in the area walk uh, like half a day's walk away from um, from the nearest town, right? And she went there, sold the shoes, bought some stuff, brought it back to the village, and sold that. And and she realized that you know she could make money that way. Yeah. She went back and bought more shoes and did it again. And, and like I said, she was around twelve years old at this point, and she never looked back. Right. And she started doing that for a while, and then going to the bigger city, eventually going to the capital and buying more and more stuff, you know. Yeah. So those are the stories I grew up around. Yeah. You know? Um, so it makes it very natural for you to to just want to solve problems. Mm-hmm. You know, if you hear something, you see something, you feel like, oh, this should exist, you go, you do it. You don't ask why doesn't someone else do it or why doesn't yeah. it exist, you know? So, yeah. Making it happen. Making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Nigeria, one thing that I definitely was inspired by was the amount of, you know, business owners that are just going out here every day to the market and they're selling and they're creating and they're, you know, just making things happen. So I definitely is. Would you say have you been to Nigeria before? I haven't, Mm -hmm. but I think it's very common throughout. There's a lot of hustle in Africa. Yeah, a lot of hustle. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Nigeria is probably the poster child of that because it's so popular. There's so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only way you survive is by hustling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you tell me more about how it was starting Jinjan? Um, you know, not knowing what you don't know what you don't know is sometimes a good thing. Um the what happened the first two years we were building Jinjan, had we known that, you know, what, what ended up transpiring would have happened, we probably wouldn't have started it, given how it's tough, right? You know, building business is really tough. It's, it's um, and the biggest piece of it was really the, the financial component. Mm-hmm. So when we decided to do it, we really had no money to do it. Yeah. Um, and we support our family back home in Guinea, right? So it's not like we only needed to worry about paying our own bills, right? And that's it. Um, it's everything you normally have to worry about here. And then we have to support a whole family. When I say whole family, I'm not talking three or four people. I'm talking yeah. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have the luxury of quitting your job and just leaving off of your savings for a little bit um, and let your savings end up accounting for that. And, but having said that, um, 
it's just been a phenomenal learning experience, you know. I um I feel like in the last four years, I have learned more in four years than I would have learned in ten years anywhere else. And name the company, I don't care what it, what it is. I've learned way more in four years in the last four years than I could have imagined anywhere else. So uh, no matter what happens with the business, it's probably the best decision I've made in my life. That's incredible. You know? And you're doing it with your brother. Yeah, and that's the other part. You know? You know, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he's my best friend, and uh, don't tell my other brothers that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's my, uh, he's my only sibling here. Yeah. Uh, and we grew up together since we were little kids. Um, we went everywhere together when we were little kids. So the four years we were apart, um, when he came here and I stayed in Guinea, well, actually we stayed apart longer than that, but we, we went four years without seeing each other. And then I came here again. I was in different parts of the country. He was in, in different parts of the U.S. Atlanta, Michigan. Atlanta, yeah. And when I came, I spent a summer with him. I went to Atlanta. He went to, he stayed in New York. And I went to Pennsylvania. Then I went to Michigan, went to college. So I would come and visit, right? Mm -hmm. But we never really stayed together again. Um, and before launching the business, we both, we lived in New York, but we barely saw each other, right? Because we were always working, although we were roommates for some time. Um, so doing this, we spend a whole lot of time together, you know? And we get along great, so yeah, it's, not, it's not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I miss being able to see you and your brother. It was always nice to look forward to the different markets that we were a part of together um, in Harlem and, you know, just going out and meeting people and seeing and sharing all of the different creations that we have, skincare for me, the best beverage for you guys, and just like, you know, seeing those Expressions. Well, I, I miss moisturizing with your, <laughs> with your, sam with your samples. <laughs> no, because you know your products are really good. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, I think the Sundays we spent together at that market were probably the most relaxing day of the week for me, uh, and I always look forward to it. So I was having to stop it because just not enough bandwidth. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a you know, a little sad, but well, we are still around and we get to catch up occasionally. For I haven't sure. seen you in forever, For but sure. you know, I'm glad to see. Here we are. Make your moves. Definitely. <laughs> trying, trying. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, just you're, you're moving, like you were moving and grooving throughout the week every single day, this morning up at 5 a.m., different state, now you're in a different borough. How do you recharge your batteries? Um, I work out and I sleep well, you know, I think that there was a two year period, the first three years really, since we launched, I just, I stopped up until that point, I was, you know, I've always, I've always been very much into trying to stay fit, but when we launched the business, there was just so much going on, because mm -hmm. for about two years when we started, I was still managing mist, so I'd work um, from usually 3, 4 p.m. until 1, 2 a.m., go home, crack open my laptop, work until first thing in the morning, until I pass out essentially, go to sleep, get up and do it again. So I, you know, I, I started eating very poorly 
not necessarily bad food, but just that yeah. bad time. Convenience. You, know, you work in restaurant, you yeah. have 2 a.m., you know, and, and so on. And I stopped working out, and I just started kind of falling mm-hmm. apart. Uh, wasn't sleeping well, and I mean, you can turn your mind off, you know? Um, but the last year or so, I I uh, I, st- I got into an accident. I almost killed myself because I passed out. Oh my well. goodness! <laughs> uh, yeah, like I was literally. So we we used to drive to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So we'd go when we go to produce. We'd we'd go and work from around 10 p.m. at night, make juice until five in the morning, drive two hours to Connecticut, um, and drive back. Sit in the parking lot, wait for two hours usually, sometimes a little longer. Drive back to New York City go do distributions all throughout. Uh, you know, we'd have a shift start at 10 p.m. and have me not get home until 10 p.m. or midnight the next day. Mm. Right? So it really, really takes a toll on you. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, whenever that happened, I looked forward to it simply because the sleep I'd get the, ne- the next time, like the best sleep, Ever. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, I, 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 it's weird. I don't recommend it, but I, I used to even drive myself to that point sometimes mm-hmm. just so I can get that that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, don't do it. Uh, now I, I sleep really regularly. I don't miss a workout. And I eat, I eat well, right? And a whole lot of coffee. A whole lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. Definitely. I, I, I too, work out and try my best to eat well and prepare the meals for myself or if I'm not just make sure that they have the ingredients that I need to power through the day yeah. you know you need you need fuel you do quality fuel for sure yeah. what are you guys looking forward to next with Junjan you're about to release the bis- you're you're working on Bisop right now mm-hmm. so i touched on money before mm-hmm. um <clears throat> in in uh, in the space we're in i mean I think you can relate to this too with yeah. uh, skincare products. If you're really trying to launch something and get out there in mass, the competition, the people you're competing against are venture-backed companies, right? Companies that have raised a few million dollars mm-hmm. and these are the people you're fighting against, whether you're selling direct-to-consumer online. I mean, you have to buy, pay to get in, in front of uh, these customers. Definitely. Um, if it's in supermarkets, same thing. It's, it's fairly expensive to build these businesses. So, you know, we had a really hard time raising capital through traditional investors. Mm-hmm. We won a number of grants, you know, the FedEx Small Business Grant Contest. We, yes. we won a few competitions. We won about 75 grand in total, in total prizes. That's more or less how we've been able to fund the business to here. And we raised a little bit of money from friends and family. Um, but we've gotten to a point now, you know, with the toehold into Whole Foods and all these we have a lot of op- op- lot of opportunities lined up. You have distributors calling us from Canada, from Sweden, from Hong Kong, wanting to distribute the product. Uh, so to move on some of these opportunities, we we launched an equity crowdfunding campaign that we actually have running right now uh, to try to raise a million dollars to you know hire some people um, and you know have some operational capital to. To really, you know, blow this up. Absolutely. So where can people learn more about the campaign that you guys have going on right now? So the campaign is hosted on Start Engine, equity crowdfunding campaign. Um, but you can just go to the URL, drink, Jinjan, 
drink g-i-n-j-a-n.com slash invest you know drinkjinjan.com uh, slash invest and you know it'll get you to the right place with all the detail and you can always reach out to us through social media um, and the handle there is at Jinjan Bros Jinjan Brothers G-I-N-J-A-N-B-R-O-S Wonderful What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I just for me personally I just want to I want to leave knowing that I've made someone's life a little bit better, you know? Um, and that uh, I tried really hard. <laughs> um, in terms of, six, you know, how successful the things I try to do, how successful they become, it's hard to predict those things. Um, so all I care about is me leaving knowing that I, I really put my best effort in. Um, and that I did it without hurting people along the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, this, this podcast is really, I just wanted to explore the work that people do, you know, how they're making an impact in the industries that they're in, and then also titles, because titles can be so tricky sometimes. You know, you had mentioned before that when you were at MIST, you are working there and then you're also, you know, sharing your beverage there and you're kind of getting like an idea of what people think of the beverage. And just like before you even launched it, it's just it depending on the type of opportunity that you have or the title that you have, you might not be able to share more about what it is that you're really passionate about. So it's I think it's a beautiful thing that you're actually doing what you love. You know, I think. We, you know, come to think of titles, it's not so much the titles we give ourselves mm -hmm. that I think are more impactful is the titles other people imply, right? Um, so, you know, f for me, other people may give you titles based on your educational background, mm -hmm. based on your origin, based on, you know, your religious belief, you name it, right? So someone else might, someone might look at me and say, hey, is um, it's he's a it's a black Muslim immigrant, right? Or it's just an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. or it's just an engineer, mm -hmm. right? And I have no control over which one the, which one they choose, and oftentimes they don't tell you which one they choose, right? It's like they you're in a box. They, you're in a box. Mm -hmm. They come across you, start talking to you, based on whatever you do that you tell them you know or what you sound like or whatever how much time you have to describe to what describe what you do mm -hmm. or for them you know how you how how you dressed yeah you know um and they put you in a box lock that box away you don't even know you're in that box Absolutely. you don't get to defend yourself yeah uh <laughs> you know so i think titles are extremely the titles we give ourselves are actually important the titles other people give us and that we give other people, because you know we are, we're all we're all human, and we we, we do it to other people too. Yeah. Right? Uh, so yeah, I think it's a phenomenal angle you've taken to tell people stories, the titles, their titles. You know. I want to know more. You know. Yeah. There's so much more to how we describe ourselves in two, yeah. two seconds. You, you know? need someone first thing to ask you is what you what do you do? Exactly. I'm a 
and work in marketing. Oh, okay, they have an image of what you do. Yeah. You know, uh, I make a uh, make make skincare products. Oh, you want to do <laughs> for sure? You I know? think if anyone knows, we know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping love, that's your I love story. Diego. Thank you. So where can where can everyone find Jinjan? I know you mentioned the campaign, but yeah. what are some of the social media channels that they could stay in touch with you guys? The the, the handle on all channels is at Jinjan Bros. G I N J A N B R O S. Um, again, that's G I N J A N B R O S, and the website is drinkjinjan.com. Amazing. Um, yeah, we're very we're very accessible. The only two of us. Well, we have a team now, but we're pretty much hands-on with everything, so get in touch. For sure. We can't wait. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nikiba. Yeah. It was a pleasure. I would love to hear from you. Reach out and share more about how you're living life beyond your title at beyondmytitle at gmail.com. Follow along on social media at Beyond My Title and like, share, and subscribe to hear the latest episodes first. This podcast was brought to you by Bib Media. Born in Brooklyn, believe the hype.